This is the Daily Thunder podcast. Welcome back. Oklahoma City drops a home game to the Miami Heat 108-94. to We're here to talk about it. I'm your host, Ryan Woods. I'm here with Brandon Rabar, Daily Thunder beat writer. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I am actually on my way home from the peak right now. Uh, every ticket sold tonight. Uh, yeah, it was, it was packed. Uh, no, it was it was a fun game to go to because Shea Gilders Alexander uh, put on a show, especially in the first half. Uh, you know, obviously the second half got out of hand after the Thunder were so good uh, in the first twenty four minutes. But man, Shea, man, was he good? He was so good, and the just the the scoring from all levels. The shot looked great. The three pointer looked awesome getting to the rim, finishing. He's starting to get more calls as he drives to the basket this year than last year. Haven't you noticed that? Be, uh, just take a big uh, big jump forward is just his ability to, to get calls. And it's not that he wasn't getting the – it's not that he wasn't getting contact last year. I think he's just got a lot more respect this year. Yeah, his free throw rate has gone through the roof this season. He's leading the league. I mean, he – he and Luca keep going back and forth as far as leading the league and drives mm-hmm. uh, to the rim per game. Uh, I'm not sure who's leading right now after tonight, but uh, the point is he's driving a lot, and you're right. He's getting the whistle a lot now, too. He's getting the respect of those refs, which is huge. I mean, you know, when you add another four or five free throws to, you know, your scoring average, that's a big deal. Yep. I mean – He's jumped up to 22.7 points per game now, I think, on the season. He's just been fantastic across the board. Like, every single area he's improved in. It's unreal, especially when you look at the difference in talent from last year to this year. Like, mm-hmm. tonight is a perfect example. Jimmy Butler is a four-time all-defensive team player. He couldn't handle him alone, so they kept doubling Shea with – with uh, Kelly, I always struggle to say his name. Kelly Olenek? Olenek, thank you. Because <laughs> I spell it in my head, and I'm like, I'm not going to say that right. It's not going to sound <laughs> right. Uh, they kept doubling him. That didn't work. Shea still ends up scoring uh, 27 points on great efficiency. No matter what they threw at him, it didn't matter that Shea didn't have uh, teammates that – the heat respect because he was still beating a double team and an all defensive team player. It's, it's nuts. His highlight of the night, I would say was that, that drive in the second half into the third quarter, uh, between the uh, kind of reverse between the legs, like he was going to step back for a three, a little hesitation dribble into the lane between two guys and then gets in the air and glides between Jimmy and uh, Bam, for a, a up and under yeah. like left-handed layup, just phenomenal play from him tonight. He was so fun to watch. He's he's just incredible. Oh, and I wanted to say something. We've talked. To, I I specifically. I'll take this. You've you've uh, stood you've stood tall for for team compete this year. Um, as someone who is excited about this team getting a really high pick 
I want to I want to kind of make a declaration. I love this team. They're so yeah. much fun. Like every they are such a fun team to to watch night in and night out. They are so much fun. I really like them. There's going to be better Oklahoma City teams. This will be a team that is will most likely be remembered for a team that uh, was set up to lose uh, was set up to lose games in preparation for the future. This will be looked back on as kind of the first team that wasn't competitive in a while, but I will remember them fondly because they're a lot of fun. I just really enjoy this team. Yeah. First of all, uh, I, I don't know if I'm team compete. I've kind of been team waffle back and forth. No, you, no, for long. sure. For sure. But <laughs> yeah. between the two of us, you've, you've, you've balanced us out. <laughs> but yeah, this team is just, it's, this endearing ragtag group of try hard, high effort. They're not supposed to be here. Island of misfit NBA players uh, that have just overperformed, overachieved. And it's fun to root for a team like that. A mm-hmm. team that's supposed to be the worst in the NBA. The Thunder broke the record for most trades in an offseason for one purpose, to be the worst team in the NBA so that they could get a number one draft pick. I mean, that was that was the point, to pair Shea up with an elite player and set up the future, and yet this team just refuses to be the worst in the NBA. Now, part of that's because Shea's taking a leap to all-star-worthy play. I'd say even better than all-star-worthy player when you look at the numbers. Uh, and then the rest of the guys, though, when they play with that much effort, um, one, it's infectious. Uh, as a fan, as somebody following the team, you can't help but to be caught up in the rooting for them because you want to see them succeed. Even if you want a high draft pick, it feels wrong going up against a team playing with so much heart. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're really, really fun to root for. Uh, obviously, isn't going to end up as a, a playoff team or even a play-in team. So when we talk about, you know, them being so competitive – you know, it's all relative. It's relative to what they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And relative to what they're supposed to be, they're a lot better and they're a lot of fun. They really are. They're so much fun. And I totally agree with what you're saying about they're just kind of a, a ragtag group that refuses to underperform. They they are going to out-effort every team they play, including tonight. And honestly, once they got to the fourth, did you in person, did it look like they were gassed or from uh second night of a back-to-back or was Miami's defense just that good? I think it's a combination. I think that the second night of a back-to-back legs kind of kicked in in the fourth for sure. I think that's part of it. I think that Miami defense, I also think, you know, it was the all bench unit and they always overperform it, but at some point, you know, talent wins out. And, you know, if you got guys that aren't as talented, no matter how much effort they put in, you might go a five-minute stretch where you don't hit a shot, and that's what happened tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that they just didn't. And it's a snowball effect. You miss a few shots, hurts confidence a little. Oh, you're down five. Oh, you're down seven. Oh, you're down nine. It just kind of gets away from you. Then you start forcing shots. Then you start kind of over-pursuing on defense to try to get a steal. Oh, there's an easy layup. It's just kind of – I think it just kind of snowballed and got away from them really quick. And by the time that Dagnall put in Shea and the starters, uh, I think that the he had gone on a 16-0 run at that point before Baisley hit a layup with like six minutes and 22 seconds left. 
that's what's in my memory. It was something like that. Yeah, and they have not figured out how to guard Duncan Robinson. That is the second game this season. He has just obliterated Oklahoma City behind the three-point line. His footwork, man, is so good. Like he, They use him as a kind of a faux screener, but he's not there to make contact. He's there to hightail it to the wing, and his footwork in those situations is just elite. Yeah, and, and the thing with him is he also has endless range. He can shoot yeah. it from anywhere, yeah. and he can do it with the, with the hand in his face. Uh, he's really good at using screens. Uh, I mean, when a guy is as bad as he is on defense, uh, but he's still an important piece of a team that went to the finals, you know that his shooting ability is next level, and that's what – Duncan Robinson is. I mean, he's he's really probably one of the top five shooters in the NBA. You could argue even better than that. For really, sure. that's how good he is. He just has to do, do it over a longer period. But you know, he's he's unreal from beyond the line. I will I will give it to you. Uh, we've talked about Shade. Who who impressed you the most after him? Uh I thought Isaiah Roby had another nice night. Uh, you know, he's going up against Bam, and, you know, Bam scored a lot, but then so did Isaiah Roby, and he did it, you know, from the paint. He did it from outside the three-point line. He had a nice play of the shot. He got the ball with a shot clock approaching zero, and he, he shot a three off the dribble, as the clock was expiring and hit uh, nothing but net. I mean, it was just beautiful. Uh, yeah. He's proven that he's the three-point shooter. He can do it. Uh, so I think Isaiah Roby continues to impress. And uh, Lou Dort's uh, shooting numbers didn't look good because he jacked up a bunch of threes. But he still had an overall good game, I think, besides that. Baisley had another nice night. Uh, the weird one tonight, though, and maybe you probably have this in your talking points, so – Maybe we can wait, but, but no, we go got to talk about Hami tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, before we get to Diallo, I do want to mention Roby because that's that's kind of where I was going. I was I, I figured you would say Roby. He was awesome. Um, the the three pointer that you that you're highlighting there was um, so smooth, so fluid, um, very confident. You can tell when players uh, realize the shot clock is winding down there's so much confidence there because they know I've got to take the shot. So why might as well put it up with confidence, but he, he really does do a great job on offense uh, at, at every level. Very impressed. Um, and so my big question of the night for you is, is Isaiah Roby better than Darius Baisley? That's a good question. And it's crazy that you could have this discussion because, you know, Baisley has been lumped in with that core returning three of Shea, Dort, and himself, you know, kind of all offseason and for all of this season, really. Uh, you had those three, then you had the two rookies together, Maladone and Poku, and then nobody talked about Hami, and then nobody talked about Roby except for when it came to time to cut players. Mm -hmm. That's the only time Isaiah Roby was talked about. Uh, when people were, were losing their minds that Frank Jackson got cut instead of Roby. I'm, I'm stalling because I don't know. I think that Darius Baisley's ceiling is still there, and Baisley actually had a pretty nice night. Honestly, I should have mentioned him as well. 
because he hit several threes. Uh, and he looked overall pretty good. He's just so up and down. And, you know, he he's prone to, to kind of getting tunnel vision when he's going to the rim. There can be two or three defenders in the lane, and he'll take it. Some questionable turnovers. Isaiah Roby, I think, has the better floor. I think night-to-night consistency, Isaiah Roby is better. But there's still something about Baisley's youth and his skill set at his size that's more intriguing. I think that Roby's the better player right now, but long-term, Baisley's still the more exciting prospect. It's a very good job by you. Diplomatic, very towing the line. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're exactly Baisley right, is, by the way. You're exactly right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, ba- Baisley's also, you know, the 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 sweetest guy on the team, and you just <laughs> yeah. feel bad saying anything negative about him. You want to like sugarcoat it a little bit when you're you're you know kind of pinpointing the things about his game that you don't like. Mm-hmm. I was even sugarcoating it right then when I was <laughs> describing what I was sugarcoating. Jeez, the Baisley effect. It's 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 hard not to fall into it because he is such a, a fun, likable person. Um, he and, really is, and he's a fun, likable player. I think when he's when he's at his best, he shows you why they took a chance on him in the first round. And I think because of because there's so much love for Baisley, it's why I feel a little concerned about it. You know, if he wasn't such a likable person, if he wasn't such a likable player then it would be easy not to care that he was struggling, um, especially in a season like this. There's just, I, and I know they're, they're trying to use him in new ways. They're trying to experiment with Baisley, and I think that's perfect. This is a perfect year to just see how his game can expand, see how he can, can improve and develop. All of that is awesome. Uh, but just based on what we've seen, which is all we can really judge off of right now, um, just slightly concerned with Baisley, just from an inconsistency standpoint, like you're saying. Roby's kind of giving it to you. You know what to expect. Um, but Baisley, you're, you know the potential, and you've seen some, some of that here and there. You just, you know, you want to see it. You want to see it every night. Yeah, and obviously Shea is in a tier all by himself. But then I think that Lou Dort has completely separated himself from the rest of the pack. He's in a mm-hmm. tier all by himself below SGA, and then I think it's muddled. When you look at all the the young guys that the Thunder had, you can make an argument for Hami, you can make an argument for Baisley, Maladone, Roby, uh, not Poku quite yet, but you can make an argument based on his upside and ceiling that he's actually the second most exciting prospect behind SGA. So I think after SGA and, and Lou, it's it's really really muddled as far as you know the core young pieces. Who's the best right now? Who's the best going forward? Yeah, no question. And I'm glad you mentioned Teo. He had eight, five, and five, and he didn't do much in the second half. But most of that entire line came in the first half. He had a phenomenal first first half. Um, ended the half with a three. That was his second three. He uh, he finished two of two from three at 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 halftime. Um, didn't miss a shot in the first half, and then went over in the uh, in the second half. Um, but he continues to do more of the same, and that is look like a very seasoned uh, NBA player at 19 years old as a second-round pick just 30 games into the year. It's very, very, very fun to watch him. 
Yeah, honestly, when, when I break it down, I, I think that he's the one that I'm kind of most intrigued by after, you know, SGA and Dort, just because we've seen a couple of seasons of Baisley now. We've seen kind of the ups and downs. Uh, Roby, I think that, you know, as, as fun as he is, I think that there's a kind of a ceiling there that you're, you're aware of. Uh, but Maladone, man, at 19, already looking this mature and his shooting ability. And we know that he's got the vision and the playmaking and the smarts. It's exciting to see what he can become. I'm kind of, uh, he's kind of the guy that I've, I'm most excited to watch these days after Shea, just to see what he's got. Yeah, he carries himself like such a killer, doesn't he? Like he's just stone faced constantly. Yeah, and it, he's that way in the uh, media calls as well. He's just kind of like a low key dude. Uh, you know, it's funny. The Thunder went from, you know, some of the flashiest, biggest personalities you could ever have at point guard between Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder, and Chris Paul to two of the most low-key, laid-back, chill dudes in uh, Shea and Teo. It's a good point. It's a good point because they are they are as uh, as chill as you could find. They really are. Yeah. Um, want to go to – I want to finish with, with Poku. Uh, he had, I felt like, four or five highlight plays in the last 24 hours. Um, that all hit all made the rounds on Twitter and man the blue have won six games in a row they've lost one game in Orlando yeah they they've been really really good and yeah the one game that they lost was to Kaminga and Jalen Green yeah uh, the Ignite team and that was a close game the blue may be the best team in the G League Uh, it's it's kind of nuts and I'd like to say it's all Poku and Ty Jerome, but they have played a big part the last few games. Both of them have improved significantly. I think Poku because he's finally getting used to, uh, you know, the NBA speed. Of course, it's G League speed, but it's still much, much higher competition than what he's used to. Right. I think he's finally getting some his feet underneath him. Uh, yeah, those highlights that have been making the rounds have been unreal. His passing, uh, his the shots that he's made. Uh, the layups, uh, you know, that that's why Presti took him. He's still the youngest player in the NBA, but that upside is ridiculous. Um, he's going to make a lot of mistakes, and he is, but he's exciting. Then Ty Jerome, he was just coming back from injury, and he was just rusty. Uh, the last few games, he's been really good as well. But Moses Brown has yeah. basically been like the uh, Shaquille O'Neal of the G League. <laughs> Uh, just every time you look, he's got like 24 points and 18 rebounds and six blocks. Uh, Antonius Cleveland. I mean, like they, they just have a lot of good players on this G league team. They do. They do. I I think that this, I think that the OKC blue might be able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. (laughs) (laughs) Let's line them up. Um, (laughs) Oklahoma city drops to 12 and 19 tonight. Uh, the Bulls blew out the Rockets by 20. Uh, the Rockets have now, I believe, lost six in a row. Let me look at that up. Um, eight. Eight in a row. Eight losses in a row for the Houston Rockets. They fall to 11 and 18. So a little tankathon update. The Rockets sit at five. That's your, that's your 
best possible scenario for Oklahoma City because that pick, if that pick gets any worse, uh, it goes to Houston. So five is as good as we can get it. And then Oklahoma City at 12 and 19, they're back to six. So those picks are back-to-back five and six once again. Um, so, well, I shouldn't say picks. That's where those teams stand in the standings right now um, at the bottom of the league. Washington is uh, – their game's in progress against the Lakers. They are the team just ahead of uh, Houston. I should say I shouldn't say ahead. <laughs> We've we can't figure this out. the The first team below Houston is Washington. <laughs> They're playing. Um, then you've got Cleveland, Detroit, Minnesota. But um, I was going to ask you: uh, Do you think Minnesota's sudden coaching change what that what that might do for the team, and if you think that might lead to maybe a resurgence uh, for the Timberwolves? I hope so. Uh, same. I wondered the same thing. The news came out. Uh, last night when we were recording the podcast and that's what I said. I was like, Hey, maybe this will spark a fire under the Timberwolves and they'll start winning some games because they have the talent too. They have Carl Anthony Towns and Ricky Rubio and Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick. They'll get D'Angelo Russell back at some point. Uh, they've got Malik Beasley. They should not be the worst team in the NBA. Uh, so I'm hoping that a new coach will, you know, motivate them to start winning some games. Uh, because even one spot, if the Thunder can climb over them or under them or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> I think the Wizards are going to move out of the way. I think the Rockets will move just a little bit, uh, you know, which would be nice because uh, you want them to stay low but not too low. Uh, I think that the Thunder can climb into that three or four spot for sure. You'd like to be top three because then you have, you know, equal shot, one, two, three, to get the uh, top four picks. Uh, so I, I think that once the Thunder trade away Al Horford, not Al Horford, I'm sorry, George Hill, maybe Mike Muscala, maybe Al Horford, uh, then, you know, I think that whether you're, uh, you're rooting or not for wins or losses, uh, whatever side of the tank or not tank you're on. I think that the Thunder will end up in that bottom five purposely. Yeah. Uh, we will see. They're back at it on Wednesday against the Spurs. Tonight was the first of a four-game homestand, so they are they are at home for a while. Um, so they will play the Spurs, the low-key good San Antonio Spurs. They're at 16 and 11. They'll be coming to Oklahoma City on Wednesday night. That's a 7 o'clock local time tip. And we'll be back after that. Let's wrap it there, Brandon. And we will be back on Wednesday night. Brandon, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely, man. Have a good night. All right. Thunder fans, talk to you soon.